everybody. It's Hey Boss Lady. I'm Christy Atwater. And I'm Andrea Gigline. So glad you could join us. Our podcast is about women leaders, how they got there, and what they're doing to make change. Our guest today is Kima Ogden. She's an entrepreneur and a community advocate, and she's making big waves in Nevada. Kima, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. And I am personally so excited to have you speak today because Christy told me a story yes. about when she did some work, uh, community work. And Christy, why don't yes. you share? So I had always known that you were very much involved in the community. And then I found out that you actually, uh, the Ogden Foundation actually supported Adopt-A-Family. So I participated in the Adopt-A-Family and... Um, First of all, I always get emotional when I'm dropping mm -hmm. off the stuff. But what was most impressive was you were out there up front, like loading, because people come with carloads full of things, right? And loading stuff from one vehicle to the other and just w really into it and coordinating it all. And so that's super impressive to me. Yeah. And I've got to say, that story for me is one of the many reasons why we do Hey Boss Lady, because metaphorically and literally, you are the woman behind the foundation doing the heavy lifting. And many times over generations, women have not been recognized for being behind the scenes and really having the work they're doing, the hard work they're doing, show up. So knowing that, tell us what it was like when you stepped into it, how this all came to be. Well, thank you. Thank you guys for asking. And I appreciate you um, bringing up the Adopt-A-Family. That's an uh, event that we've put on for about seven years where we adopt hundreds of people in the community that are in need of um, just basic necessities over the holidays. These are mm -hmm. the most in need families. And we supply them with things from toys to furniture to food, you name it. Like you said, they get car loads full of items. And, you know, um, you know, I grew up in Las Vegas, and so um, this community is is very near and dear to my heart. You know, sure. I've I've um, been one of those people um, growing up that needed help at times. My mm -hmm. my mom was a single parent, and growing up in um, in that in that environment, a lot of times we had to reach out and see what we could do, and it was really important to get that help. And so early on, I knew it was important to to give back when you can. And and you know, like you mentioned, we we are very much in the trenches. You yes, know, right. um, nonprofit work is a grind. You know, you don't do it for money at all. There's, right. <laughs> there's no money in it. Matter of fact, you give money constantly. Um, but it, you do it because you have passion for it. Um, so this is, this you is see something the need and you take care of it. You do it. Um, and I, and I feel like it's our responsibility to really have our children see that. And so that they, uh, generation after generation can, can help, um, you know, in order for the, for the economy and things to be successful, no matter what you believe, whether you believe in helping people or not, mm -hmm. it, it, it matters. It, it really will help yeah. your business if, yeah. if the next man is doing better and can spend money exactly in, yeah. the, yep. in the economy. So I, I look yeah. at it as a win-win for people um, who, who could care less. I tell them like, listen, you can step over that person, yep. but it still affects you. So why not help? There you and go. so um, it was just really important to kind of, to, to stay into in the community and, and, and grind it out. 
Yeah, and, and I want to say that what so impressed me when Christy told me that story and then knowing your background, I mean, first and foremost, you're an entrepreneur. You, in fact, are a graduate of UNLV. Yes. Yes. Go Rebels. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I would like for you to tell us a little bit first, we'll get to the foundation, but tell us a little bit first about how is it that you help generate the funds, in fact, to feed all the great work that you do? I mean, it's, you know, like I said, it's it's definitely not without grind and getting out there and putting your boots on and, 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 and asking for help and putting on the events. And, the, um, and so that's what we do. We put on fundraising events. Um, we reach out to uh, organizations to, to sponsor. We team up with um, a lot of organizations that, that do the same type of work. And I, I really find that it's important to partner with the community. Um, this, these are not my kids. Right. These are not my people. These are the community's kids. And, and the more the merrier. Let's, get, let's band together and help. Because if, if you're truly in this to help people, you partner mm -hmm. with as many people as you can. Right. And so that is definitely important. And it helps us help the family. So, so partnerships are important. And also fundraising and getting out there and asking for help. And you'd be surprised. There's a lot more people out there that want to help they just mm -hmm. don't know how mm -hmm. so just getting to the right people making sure you know you get you get in their face and say hey look and show them how it's impacting um, the community and how their help impacts so I think um, you know that's that's ultimately what we do yeah. what do you think is the most pressing need right now because of the pandemic I know you're part of the community outreach medical center and I know one of one of my other friends also participated in the adopt a family and that adoptive family's uh, father had just died of COVID, and all she wanted was to be able to have some money to pay for therapy for her kids to help deal with this terrible event. And um, so what do you think now are the most pressing needs of the community? Yeah, it's been a crazy year and a half, right? We've seen yes. a lot. There's a lot and of going. Oh man, it's it, it doesn't seem like it's going to end. But you know what we have seen is families who've never needed help before mm -hmm. now suddenly needing help. Um, people who never had to go and wait in food lines are now waiting in food lines um, that worked their whole lives mm -hmm. and now they can't support their families. So, so the need has, and, and what that's doing to people is, is actually causing a lot of mental distress. Right. Um, it's all comes full circle, you know, financial issues mm -hmm. cause physical issues and physical issues cause mental issues and so yep. on and so forth. So you're just seeing a larger amount of people who need help, who never needed it before. So it's just, tripled in the amount of people who actually um, need help. So that's what I've seen during this time. And, you know, you mentioned the pandemic, the continuation of the pandemic. And I know that you are deeply devoted to getting jabs and alms. Um, are there efforts that you're doing around that in addition to the clinic or with the clinic? So Community Outreach Medical Center is a nonprofit community clinic. Got it. And We've been around since 2005 doing great work in the community for uninsured, underinsured um, population. Now, anyone could go there, yourself right. mm -hmm. and anyone. Um, right. We take different insurances and whatnot, but we definitely have programs to support the underserved um, population. And in that, we basically, yeah, we really have been on now um, – getting programs together that help support people who have been affected by COVID. Right. Um, we don't do vaccines 
ourselves there, oh, okay. but we are putting on a health fairs and things like that to get a pop-up vaccine trucks in the right. parking lot so that people can have access. Yep. And, and part of our initiative as well is to, if we don't provide the service ourselves, we re- outsource or we give you the sources yeah. to do it. Um, we are a fully integrated care system, which means, um, you know, initially we were only physical health, um, case management as well. Mm-hmm. But but now we've recently um, were granted a SAMHSA grant to become a certified uh community behavioral health and substance abuse clinic. And so the purpose of that is to make um, medical full service and integrated. So once again, if you're Mm -hmm. stressed out about your finances, that's going to cause a lot of mental distress. It's going to cause a lot of physical stress. So, so you have to get to the core of the problem and with our case managers and whatnot, if we can't help ourselves, like I said, physically there, we will definitely find you the resources to do so, or we partner with the people who will get you that service. So it's really important to address all the COVID issues as a whole, not just getting sick, because that's not the only thing that happens. Mm-hmm. You know, right. people have been losing their jobs. You um, people have been having a hard time finding resources and things. Yep. And so that's causing a lot of issues indirectly. And all those indirect and direct issues combined have made it really stressful on the community. And because of that, behavioral health services have skyrocketed. I mean, you can't even hardly get an appointment right now. I mean, right. it's just right. been bad. Alcoholism is up. Right. Drug addiction is up. Right. Um, so we're working with the city to comp- put those programs in place to combat that and help people who, who need it the most during these times. So, Kima, as I'm listening, I'm just kind of in awe. You know, how does one start from from your perspective? Like, how did you get to where you are, where you actually, you know, have a, a nonprofit community outreach, uh, a foundation? Like, what is your background? Can you tell women, you know, who maybe want to do more, maybe if they can start small and how to get into it more, that kind of thing. Sure. I, you know, well, attending UNLV, I got a a degree in business uh, with an emphasis in um, marketing. And so I was always involved in philanthropy as well. Even here, um, I was a part of a sorority, Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated. And we did a lot of community work. And so basically, um, Health, wellness, and education was a passion of mine. Beautiful. And when I took my business degree, I always knew I wanted to um, own my own business. Um, and, of course, young, going through school and whatnot, I ran everyone else's business. And I knew right. I was good at it because I was always very young, managing you know people twice my age, running companies, and I knew, making them a lot of money. And I right. said, you know what, I need to do this for myself. Good for you. Um, and take control over my own destiny. So then... I opened a gym. Um, it was a UFC gym, and I and back in 2007, and I started the Ogden Family Foundation okay. at the same time. Now, my husband at the, um, had a foundation in Maryland, and he had that now for over 25 years. But at the, when I met him, he had that in Maryland, and it was really important to me. This is where we live. This is That's where right. I'm from. So I said, Let's, right. let me bring the foundation here oh, and beautiful. just and, and start it here simultaneously while I started my gym, which for yeah. those of you out there, that's <laughs> crazy um, because really what people don't realize, and it was my first nonprofit. Right. And um, what people don't realize is the nonprofit industry is a business just like any other you business. You betcha. Um, it's just a tax it's, status. It's just a, it's just a filing status. And you so. Betcha. 
I, I remember starting this and having people look at me crazy when I was like, oh, I, maybe we should ask that other nonprofit to do this right. and give the bus when we do that. And they're like, how could you ask them to do anything? You should just be giving. I'm like, Correct. well, we can't give unless we get to. So you have to treat it like any other business. And so here I was starting two at the same time, but I had a gym (laughs) and I wanted to bring kids in there and do programming for them um, to help with mental health as well as physical health and kind of bring it full circle. And so. So you incorporate into the gym the the mental health aspects along with the physical. Yeah, I, I called it fitness integrated therapy because what it was was an alternative cool. holistic approach yeah. yes. to stress. So like you bring kids in there and you uh, we would give them workshops on mental health and you know anti bullying things like that anger management That's beautiful. and we would do little exercises for that piece during the workshop. And then we take it to the physical piece where we would work with professional fighters at the time Mm -hmm. and they would do a boxing workout and whatnot. And you would just bring it together because honestly, kids love that part, but they don't love the work part, which is, you know, the workshop. So we would, you know, we would balance. You don't don't get one without the other. We dingle the carrot for them and (laughs) and bring it together and and incorporate the two. And so I did that for, for many years and, um, so having the the gym as the for-profit side and having that pay for the non-profit side and supporting the programs and free programs for kids and bringing them in. And so when that happened, um, I had that gym for eight years and Community Outreach Medical Center was a clinic that I had always been involved in. Okay. Um, I partnered with them for physicals for the kids and nutrition and different things. And um, at one point in time, they were in dire need of basically ownership. They needed someone to come and take over and they were doing, they weren't doing well financially. And it was either close it or someone come in and really take it by the, you know, horns and do something with it. So I chose to do that. And I, (laughs) I actually sold my gym at that time. It was almost, I was going, veering into another industry. Um, and so I needed to really do something with the foundation and start, you know, focusing on programs a little bit differently. And so I partnered with, I took over the clinic. I, I merged them like, you know, partners and, and here we are today. Um, you know, I took that clinic and moved, we moved locations. We're now on not too far from here on Maryland Parkway and Desert Inn. And we do, uh, great work and we're doing well now. And once again, we're expanding into a fully integrated care system where I'm now trying to hire 20 people on the behavioral health and substance abuse side. So as people are struggling in their businesses, we're actually growing and expanding. So wow. wow. I, I want to stop you there because I really want to talk about um, your involvement in medicinal cannabis. But let's wait and talk about that after the break. Hey, boss lady, I'm Andrea Gigline. And I'm Christy Atwater. Our podcast is about women leaders, but it's not always just about women. That's right. We're just not talking amongst ourselves. There's a lot of men out there helping to change the playing field for women. One of them is Tom Colicchio, probably best known to many of you as the head judge on the popular series Top Chef. I think the the biggest barrier to, um, especially in the the culinary industry, probably a lot of other industries, is that we need need national childcare. Yep. Because... So many, you see right now, you know, during COVID, how many women are dropped out of the out of the workforce? Correct. Because 
they're single single moms and where the kids are going. Schools are closed, and so they dropped out of the workforce. And we can't have that. Um, and and so that's that's I think the biggest barrier. He's a great advocate for women in the culinary world, and he's one of our guests on Hey Boss Lady. Join us. Well, welcome back, Kima. You know, Christy left us off leading into an area of the work that you do in medicinal cannabis. And I'll be the first to admit, I have other than like two small attempts to inhale when I was like 20. I have never touched it, but I have been a huge advocate for 30 years of medicinal cannabis. Tell us about that business. Cannabis rolled out here around 2015 um, on the medicinal side. And Mm -hmm. um, as, like I said, as my involvement in health and wellness and my passion for that um, was already, you know, I was already in that industry and um, I knew cannabis was kind of coming online and um, it's a holistic approach. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing my research. Um, I uh, as well did not partake in cannabis. I don't smoke I don't smoke it. Mm-hmm. And um, like you, you know, you may dabbled here or there with a mm-hmm. friend yep. growing up or something. Actually, my dad, this is the crazy thing about it is my dad was a drug um, and alcohol counselor. And they tell you that marijuana is a gateway drug. Right. So I was uh, I was actually raised to believe that. And so I was pretty much anti-drugs for the most exactly. part. Right. Um, Going into this, um, my husband, being that he played in the NFL and dealing with a lot of pain mm-hmm. and, and, and how to manage that, oh, wow. you know, you're looking for alternative ways to manage his pain. And um, so here I am doing research. I'm looking into it. And there's a lot of information out there that, that proves that this actually really helps exactly. people tremendously. And so I started to then look into how do I become part of this and get this out into the community. And I went through the whole process of doing that. And I have become the first and only um, female African-American owner in Las Vegas, in Nevada, in the whole state of Nevada. And so um, I was awarded one of the first um, licenses. That's great. And I have both the um, dispensary and cultivation, which means I grow as well as distribute, I mean, retail on on the retail side. And... um, um, we've been able to help patients get off of um, anti, you know, depression medication, um, anti-anxiety medication. I see tremendous um, improvement in people's pain management mm-hmm. and things like that, and um, seizures. The, and the list goes on and on. And it's been incredible because as these people come in and they tell their stories, mm-hmm. um, you see how you're impacting. And how they're helping now with the clinic, we have a large portion of Ryan White um, or HIV patients. Oh, yes. Um, Ryan White is a program, uh, it's a funding um, grant that helps HIV patients right. with their medical care. And just for our listeners to, to fill that in, so Ryan White was a young man who had hemophilia, and he came to the forefront in the very early stages of the AIDS epidemic in the United States. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was a young kid at the young time. Kid, he contracted a transfusion. Right. Transfusion. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, they, they named this grant after him and we've been recipients of this grant since 2005 and which means we are able to support um, HIV patients in their full care. Like, right. like I said, from all the way from um, medication and treatment to case management and so on and so forth. So, um, 
it's really important for them to be able to have those options um, for cannabis. So um, I developed some programs to help support the underserved population in getting cannabis as well or cannabis cannabis education mm-hmm. and how and supporting them with um, product and discounts on cards and different things like that. So I, I was able to bring those things together in the, in the healthcare sense um, as well. But that's how I got involved in the cannabis space. And, you know, we've been yeah, pretty much I, a force. And I will tell you that I, I grew up in a household where someone was a heroin addict and I remembered being trained. It's the reason why I never went near drugs. Cannabis was mm-hmm. the, the lead in. And at the same time, I had a cousin, a young cousin under 20 who got cancer, and his doctor in the late 80s basically said to him, you know, I can't prescribe this, but if you know someone who can get you this, it will help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I started all those years researching it and realizing we, as long as we have the good research, because, you know, behaviorally, and this is where, you know, Christy as a parent, myself... What we care about is kids not getting involved in something, like drawing that line. And yet the good work that cannabis can do as a part of healthcare mm-hmm. is is really incredible. Yeah. It's been a it's been great, you know, to see how that does help in learning more and getting educated and seeing people come full circle with it because, you know, like I said, I, I was you know, scared to death to even tell my dad I was getting in it. But now we learn that it's actually an exit drug and that Mm -hmm. it actually helps people who have addiction wing off and whatnot. And so they're now actually coming up with clinics to support that. So explain that that terminology and exit drug. So basically um, uh, medical professionals are using it to wing people off of drugs. So instead of, you know, as a more of a holistic method and things like that, so... um, so tr- rather than taking a heroin addict, which I know there's also mm-hmm. different drugs that they can give heroin addicts now to release, but the pain, the physical pain mm-hmm. that their bodies go through. Mm-hmm. They're using it to, to it. For, like you said, for different yeah. effects that that is hap- that has on your body and, and, what, and what cannabis can do to help you with anxiety, with the pain, different things that that does. So they're, they're prescribing it. Yeah. Um, on the way, you know, as you're processing out of rehab. Yeah. So things well, like I'm that. Well, I'm looking forward to my later. I, I figured somewhere between 80 and 90, I'm going to be microdosing and having <laughs> yeah. cannabis. Well, There's not going to be a pain in the world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it, this is an interesting topic to me, too, because my husband was a fighter pilot, too, and that's a very intense kind of job, and there was a lot of physical um, pain that he deals with, right? He was, you know, in the war twice, right? So... Um, he now has stepped away from from flying and now does use that to help mm-hmm. kind of modify and, mm-hmm. and help him sleep better, right? Because mm-hmm. the pain can be overwhelming. Growing up, my my mom was a, a alcohol counselor and she basically said if we were ever caught doing anything, we would go right to rehab. So I never touched anything yeah. either. Yeah. <laughs> um, it just was a villainized Heist. kind yes. of situation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think that's all really good. But what I want to get back into, um, because we talk about this a lot at Hey Boss Lady, is when you have a high profile husband, how do you maintain your identity? And let um, our listeners know who your husband is and, yes. and his background. Awesome. Yeah. Um, my husband's Jonathan Ogden. He um, is a Hall of Fame NFL retired player. And yeah, it, it definitely it was uh, it has been a challenge, is a, a definitely obstacle. 
um, when you are married to someone who is in the spotlight as, mm-hmm. and has had that type of success um, as well. Um, the foundation, the businesses and things there, businesses and things that I started, but everyone associates the success of anything to him. Right. Um, he's in the forefront. He's everyone wants to meet him or talk to him. And so, um, you know, it's definitely challenging. Initially I didn't, it didn't matter to me. Right. Um, because like I said, for years, um, you know, you do the work and you don't really do it for any other Mm -hmm. reason than whatever your passion is or how you're trying to help or whatever. You're not doing it for notoriety or acknowledgement. Right. Um, And so it didn't really matter. Um, But as the years went on and he retired, he wanted to retire. Right. You know, I keep bringing (laughs) him to stuff. You know, I keep making him show up to things. He's like, what do I have to, why do I have to come to this? Like, so, and, and as he retired, you know, uh, people, I still want to, I'm moving, I'm making moves, I'm going yep. here, I'm doing this and yes. that, I'm growing. I'm de- Correct. And no one wanted to take my phone calls. Uh, they want to, every time I call in to, to meet with someone or try to do something, I'm like, oh, well, you know, so can Jonathan come? They don't want to see me. They want him. Right. Um, so I had to step from behind the curtain and start letting everyone know, like, Good. hey, look, I, you know, I'm the one who is this person, that person, I, I do this and that, you know? And the reason for that is because I wanted people to start taking my phone calls. Absolutely. <laughs> right. I, you know, I have well, to make things move around here. I got to get things done. And but I even get that it done. reason wasn't based in ego. It was based in how do I get done the work that has to get done? And how that can was I get way, it done? That yeah. was, and that is such yeah. a theme that all of the mm-hmm. women that we're involved with bring up all the time. We will adjust our needs in certain ways. Like you didn't need to be the face of anything. You were doing all the work and getting the results. Mm-hmm. However, and that is where Hey Boss Lady comes in very strongly, shining that light on the people who are doing the heavy lifting and, in fact, getting the work done. So, Christy, I think it's kind of that time where you ask. Oh, this is one of my favorite questions that we ask at every podcast. What gives you hope for the future? Well, I think that... You know, like I said, what gives me hope it before um, when I mentioned like just getting our kids involved, seeing the young, younger generation really starting to pay attention to what's happening out there, speaking right. up, um, getting involved in, in issues that are affecting their future. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen it with different protests. We see it with social justice and advocacy work. We see it um, in patient advocacy work. So, you know, I think the younger generation gives me hope um, as they're starting. I feel like they're paying more attention to what's happening um, in politics and yep. and in business and the economy. And, and so I'm hopeful that they'll demand change and really get aggressive about um, what needs to be done to to help people in the community? Because most of it stems from your government and your legislative and your local right. government and officials and things like right. that. And um, really getting involved with the change yes. um, on the ground floor in your state yep. is really important. And so I'm hopeful that we will see that Well, change. beautiful. You know, Kima, thank you so much for joining us. Kima Ogden is a serial entrepreneur and a community advocate in Las Vegas. I'm Andrea Gigline. And I'm Christy Atwater, and you're listening to Hey Boss Lady. If you like our podcast, let us know. We want you to listen, rate, and review. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.